It was big, really big, bigger than any person she'd ever seen, almost tall enough to look over the hedgerow. The creature looked straight up at her with what seemed like a sad expression, again giving Sarah a keen sense of deep poignancy, making her want to cry. Then it turned and stepped back into the foggy darkness of the woods, disappearing without a sound. She never heard it howl again, again. You are now entering the realm of the Freaky Deaky, an unsuspecting stop at the crossroads of fantasy and reality, where the frayed edges of make-believe seep into this cookie-cutter, white-picket world you've been led to believe is far from extraordinary. What you're about to hear are true stories. Alleged true stories. Christian, just... Okay. Tales of the strange and inexplicable thought only to exist in film and folklore. Although difficult to accept, we do not know everything about this reality, about time or space, what lies beneath the ocean's depths. And try though we might, the unchanging truth remains. There are some things we legitimately cannot explain logically. Welcome back to the Freaky Deaky. We're here after three weeks of great fun. Christian's daughter has brought the plague into our home. Bring out your dad. Yeah, so we were suffering for the last couple weeks, but good thing we had a few uh, episodes in the chamber and they were ready to roll out. So you guys didn't, we didn't have to skip any of the, the bangers that we had planned and everything worked out and Christian and I and the baby and China all survived. If you're new to the show, welcome. Be sure to give us a five star on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really wherever you're listening, but we're trying to get the Spotify reviews up. And I'm actually very proud of our listeners because last time I mentioned this, we had 48 or 49 reviews. And I was like, if we can get to 50, maybe Spotify will say, hey, there's other shows like this that you might enjoy. And I checked this morning and we have 54. And unfortunately, no, Spotify still doesn't believe that there's other shows out there that wants that it wants to help us spread the word about, I guess. So we're relying on you guys and i've never been more proud of our listener base for helping us pass that 50 mark now let's get to 100 let's get to 200 300 500 5 million reviews guys can we do it by next week probably not but the week after yeah at least two weeks two weeks out five million five star reviews we can do it we can make it happen but yeah be sure to to like us give us a review if you got a quick second it really does help us beat that pesky algorithm that doesn't like sharing the show for some reason i'm guessing it's the name this is something we struggle with from the start but it's fine we'll get there while you're at it be sure to follow us and comment and subscribe on all the social media pages you got at freaky deaky pod on instagram facebook youtube now and if you're a youtube listener of the show welcome comment down below your favorite episode so far or episode suggestions we'll take it and run with it all that aside tft paranormal on tiktok if you're into that stuff and there's a little something different on each platform it seems like yeah yeah we really try to make each experience different than the, the previous one so instagram you know i've been posting text shorts and all kinds of fun stuff you know got some bonus clips and stuff in the youtube page on there and then you know the tiktok page is just weird pretty much weird news you know what i'm not gonna mansplain it to you get out there and go follow and like everything how's that you like that 
Anyway, I think that's it. Every time we sit down and record, the first intro is rough. I'm having no problem. Well, yeah, because you're not saying anything. So this is the first intro, if you couldn't tell. Anyway, Christian, we're back with a very fun topic today. What are we talking about? We're talking about the big man, Bigfoot himself. We're doing a Bigfoot episode in the middle of a season. Can you believe it? I never realized it wasn't in the middle of the season. Yeah, it was always summer break stuff. We've never done like a full episode on Bigfoot stories, but this is pretty much a... <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and do that without the puberty voice. This is pretty much a follow-up to something we did in like the first summer break, I believe, with Chris and Alex were out here. Right. Where you just kind of shared some of your favorite Bigfoot stories. And so we're doing that again, but we're doing it long form. With a couple crazy stories. Got some crazy stories in there, apparently. I haven't heard a single one of these. I decided to, uh, since all your stories you kind of title, I decided to give it a go because it's so so fun to hear the titles sometimes. It really do be like that. The first one is called The Train, Bigfoot, and a Ghost. Very mesmerizing titles you got there. Comes from one of the Rusty Wilson books, who we made famous on our podcast, at least, (laughs) in the summer break episodes. Yeah, we made famous, I'm sure. He, He basically is a fishing guide in Colorado. That when he takes people out fishing, some of them tell them their Bigfoot stories. And he writes them down and records them and puts them in a book. And they're most of them are pretty fascinating. This one came out of weird campfire stories, which I hadn't seen before. So I think it's a newer book. The story takes place in Grain Valley, Utah. It is about a man named Jeb, who used to be a railroad engineer. Basically, he was driving the train. This particular time, he was headed from Grand Junction, Colorado to Helper, Utah, and he had a large train filled with coal. There were two engines in front and two in the back because it was such a large or long train. Hmm. So riveting tale so far. So as they're driving, they have to go across this old bridge that goes across the Green River. It was also near a golf course. And as they were coming up on it, it was about 2 a.m. as he got to the bridge and he hits the brakes as he normally does when he kind of comes around a curve, just not really to slow down the train because it's too heavy, Mm. but just kind of peace of mind type of thing. He came around the curve and there were lights to the town on his right. The track straightened out as he got near the bridge. This bridge was like one of those old style railroad bridges that you see in all the movies. So I can picture it in my head, yeah. Yeah, not like the modern ones we have. As he was headed toward the bridge, he could see something walking on it in the direction moving away from him. It was Bigfoot. It was. Just based on the topic matter of the episode, I have a feeling it was Bigfoot. That was a good guess. Yeah, thank you. He hit the panic button. I don't know really what the panic button is. It's like an emergency brake or something? No. And then he hit the brakes. So maybe the panic button's letting everybody know there's something ahead or... Everybody freak out! Yeah. And he got on the train whistle. Hoot, hoot. Yeah. Quickly, the train came upon the figure, and he said it looked like a football player with huge shoulders. It also had a huge head, kind of like a Scott. Got it. It looked human, but also it did not. Also kind of like a Scott. Yeah. As the train was almost upon this thing, he could see a huge dark face with dark eyes, and then the engine hit it. And he hoped it wasn't human. He said it felt like hitting a large bull, but this bull walked upright. And then the brakeman came in to see what was going on and Jeb told him what happened and they called the rear engine to have them look as they were going past this bridge down mm-hmm. the line to see what they what they had hit. Headquarters was radioed and this is all while Jeb was still trying to stop the train. <laughs> so he's doing all this stuff, calling headquarters, train's still going, even though he's got the brakes going on. It took about a three quarters of a mile before it slowed, it stopped. So he was past the town at this point and he's sitting in the middle of the Utah desert. They called the local sheriffs, and when Jeb let his bosses know back 
whoever was running the line. They shut down the line so no other trains would come through. And then they asked him to back it up so that the, they could look into everything. So he backed up the train, which mm. took a while, almost to the bridge. And then he got out. The sheriff was there. He starts talking to the sheriff. The sheriff and his people aren't finding anything on the bridge. So he sent a boat down below the bridge in the water to check around. There was nothing down there. What did he tell the sheriff? He was like, I'm going to give it to you straight, sheriff. It was a Bigfoot. From the sounds of it, he didn't tell the sheriff that. He just said it was something big. And he wasn't sure if it was a human or not. So when they didn't find anything, they go to look at the front engine. And there's a big dent in the front engine. Classic. And those things don't dent easily. But the sheriff ended up saying that whatever he'd hit was thrown into the water and they couldn't find it. Soon they were done investigating. They didn't find anything. It didn't seem to be a human. So Jeb was on his way. He went back home and had his wife pick him up at the train station like she normally did. But then he had to take some time off because he was a little traumatized. He was shook. Yeah. Yeah. So he went fishing for a couple weeks, got his head straight, yeah. w- went back to driving. He had to do the same route a lot of the time because that was the route he was on. You have like PTSD every time you pull up on this corner. Here's what, here's what happened is when he'd get to that bridge, he'd look toward the, the town every time, the lights, and he wouldn't look down the bridge. Oh, so he was just like, hey, if it's there, I'm barreling it down again. Well, he figured he, whatever it was, was dead. After a while, he finally's like, I got to man up and get over go, this fear. I got to go fist fight this thing. So as he's coming up to the bridge, he finally looks down the bridge mm. and there's this thing on the bridge again. Running away from him. He gets up close to it and it disappears. It disappears? Yeah. Like vanishes? Yeah. Like it's a residual haunting with a Bigfoot? Yep. So this happened a few more times, Yeah, you know, but this first time it happened, he slammed on the brakes. The brakeman comes in and is like, what's going on? So he told the brakeman about how he'd hit Bigfoot or something like that. Yeah. And And the the brakeman was like, you've been hitting the sauce again, man. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. He said, have you been drinking? And he's like, no, because the guy didn't drink much. And this is years ago anyway. So the brakeman goes, it's, it's just, you're just going back in your mind to that time. I won't mention it to anybody wink yeah so so jeb is trying to deal with it he's traumatized all over again because he because now the ghost of bigfoot is haunting his ass he actually worried that it would follow him home and and get revenge now that would be a story yeah that would be a story that didn't happen but he told his wife what was going on and then and she left him he tried to change his route but there was not another route available so he took an early retirement but wait there's more but wait, he got a more. call from his brakeman a little while later and his brakeman saw the same thing. Hmm. And then other guys had seen the same thing on that same bridge. And then it just disappeared. And then Weird. on the golf course that was near the bridge, when players would get up to that hole that was near it, they'd see the ghost of this thing. Like walking on the bridge? Yeah. You know, there's ghost animals. I mean, if there can there's be stories ghost, of ghost dogs and cats and. All that stuff. So I guess why not ghost big feet? I, if there's a if there's ghost humans, there has to be a ghost Bigfoot. You know what'd be freaky is ghost gorillas and chimps. Any kind of simian that's not human would freak us out if it ghost tax collectors, ghost mailmen. We're like, oh my package is coming, they disappear. Like, oh wait, I guess not. Never mind. <laughs> this is the worst. I have the worst route. I bet you there's a lot of ghost gorillas and monkeys at zoos. That'd be freaky. Maybe that's counter. what the monkeys are really throwing their poop at. 
Yeah. Like, oh, ghost, ghost. Thinks it's saving the humans, but instead hitting the humans in the face with poop. I don't know how we nice. got here. Well, this is usually the way it works. We'll be talking about something substantial, and then it'll revert back to poop. Classic stuff, really. If you look at the, the timeline of our podcast, the amount of, you know what? It's fine. Yeah, we don't talk about it that much. We Drugs, once maybe. Every, yeah, there you go. All right, the next one. Another one. DJ Khaled is joining Please us in don't. the studio. Please don't. Bigfoot mourns with the new Confederate widow. As you would. This one's an interesting story, and we're going to go back to the Civil War. And this is the what the clip from the beginning of the episode is from, yeah. I imagine. Yes, that's exactly it. It was early in the morning when Sarah Gaines saw Sasquatch. This story was in a weird book I found, Bigfoot Sightings of the American Civil War. Nice. By Toby Emerson. He was, kind, was yeah. kind of in the Civil War and just as a side project started looking for Bigfoot stories. He was in the Civil War? I mean, he was into oh, okay. researching I was like, it. Damn, that's these are old and very reputable tales. Yeah, so he starts looking around, you know, in, in the areas that all the battles took place to find some old records that maybe pointed to there being Bigfoot back then. Yeah. This story comes from a, a woman named Jennifer Munson, who is the great, great, great granddaughter of Sarah Gaines. At least it stuck with the family line. Yes. And he'd met, met her at a cryptologist convention. A cryptozoology convention yeah. or cryptology? Because I feel like one of those is vastly different. I, I feel different. like that word was wrong. Cryptology. Yeah. So it was just about cryptid, hmm. the simple way. Sarah Gaines was a Confederate soldier's wife. When he went off to, to war, she stayed at home on a small dairy farm in Mount Hermon, Virginia. Shout out George Washington. Yeah. Her husband... Major Daniel Gaines was decorated for bravery by General Robert E. Lee himself. And Daniel and Sarah had been childhood sweethearts. So we'll get to a little bit of the background before we get to the Bigfoot. Daniel and Sarah had been childhood sweethearts, but she would marry a coal miner named Jeremiah Lundstrom. Classic. Luckily, he would die in a mining accident yeah. in 1858. We take that, Jeremiah. Yeah. By this time, Daniel was living away from his childhood home and would, would only be in the area every once in a while. He had decided to move out west, but wanted to see Sarah and her husband, Jeremiah, before he left. So they were friends. He did not know that her husband had died just after the last time he'd visited two years before. So Daniel did not go west. As soon, the childhood sweethearts found they enjoyed being together again. And eight months later, they'd be married. Wow. Yeah. It was scandalous for the time, but they did not care. Was it scandalous? I feel like that was actually probably pretty commonplace. I think the husband it, dies and immediately after the wife is like, all right, you're next. Good I here. think you're supposed to wait a year. Are you? Yeah. I thought that was more modern. I thought back then they're like, I got to feed these kids, damn it. No, I think you're supposed to wear black for a year. And then after that. You're supposed to wear black That's so, like clothing? The, yeah, like okay. the woman. Gotcha. The woman. Yeah, yes. the men can do whatever they the want men to. Can, yeah, they just man it up yeah. whatever. Well, the men are dead in this scenario, actually. In this so, case, yeah. yeah. So maybe they maybe they wear just one thing constantly. Whatever. They were married eight months later, and the town started talking about it. But they didn't and, give a crap. And they would too. They were busy with the farm and, and raising her children, because she had children from the yeah. other guy. Classic. But then war came. Daniel felt he needed to help fight for the Confederates. It was his duty, mm. is what he was thinking, you know? Yeah, he. I mean, at the time, yeah, maybe that's, that's what just he was the thinking. It, yeah, the way it was. And yeah, we we don't necessarily have to agree with that. I'm. That's I mean, fine. Wherever we would have lived if we were that age, we would have been the same way. Whether it was con yeah. on the Confederate side, well, or the, you might not have. You might have been doing something else at that time. 
I would have been sipping lemonade from a deck somewhere. You <laughs> might, might. It's it's irrelevant. Just, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. They get what you're laying down. Yeah, everyone gets it. They're picking up the pieces. Yeah. Sarah wasn't too keen on Daniel enlisting, but it was the 1800s, and well, that's when they used the word keen. Yeah, true. But women didn't get to have an opinion. Basically, true. Yeah, yeah. You would have been alongside the women with the not having an opinion, probably. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm just going to make this as awkward as I can. It's fine. I wouldn't have been in the South. That's true, yeah. If I had a choice. Yeah, but since you wouldn't have had a choice, then it's fine. It's called... <laughs> I w we can't make judgments on... I wouldn't have been me back then. You wouldn't have been you. We would have just been... I can know for certain that I would have been okay, you know? Unless it's a reincarnation thing and... Mm, and I was a beetle. No, it's not that kind of reincarnation. Oh, we'll get and, to the bottom of it someday. But yeah, anyway. Right. You can imagine you're something else. It's fine. He signed up with the 22nd Virginia Infantry under Major John Bowler. Sarah could handle the farm while he was at war. She had a little bit of help, and they'd been fixing everything up. So it was in pretty good shape. And yeah. let's be honest, women were running stuff like that all the time back then. Did she have a little bit of help on the farm, Christian? Was it a little bit of help, you a think? Friend. A friend. A friend, you think? It wasn't that kind of farm. Okay. They weren't, they, they were poor people. Just oh, with yes, a, of course. A farm to get by. So he moved up quickly and became a major and was assigned to the second battle at Manassas. In 1864, Daniel had a two week furlough, which he spent with Sarah and the kids. And he treated the kids as his own. And they had a wonderful time, wow. which kind of sets up what's coming next because kind of a tragic tale. Yeah. A little foreshadowing there. Well, the title was. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah begged Daniel to take the post, a posting that he had been offered. That was closer to home and far away from the front lines, but being... And Daniel said, fuck that. He's like, I want to be where the battle's at. He's like, I don't want to take care of these kids anymore, Sarah. I'm out. Yeah. You milk the cows. Yeah. Get our help to milk the cows if you get me. Unfortunately, Sarah felt he was making a big mistake, but the major said, ah, nonsense, my dear. There are no such things as premonitions. Hmm. Wait, did she say that she had a premonition? She just told him he was going to die, I think. Oh. Something bad was going to happen. And she's like, how could you know, woman? Uh, he's like, frankly, my dear, yeah. I don't give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone with the wind reference for you. Yeah. Same time period. Classic. But she knew. A few weeks later, Sarah was back at the farm in a deep sleep. And she was awakened just before dawn by a howling sound. At first, she thought it was something coming from her subconscious, but... So she just wanted to stay in bed. I picture it being Daniel out in the field getting shot or something like, ah! Yeah. There was I a sense it. of dread about her, she felt, though. She was afraid, but she overcame it, came the fear, and got out of bed. Her room was upstairs, so she opened up the window and looked out. On that deck we were talking about earlier with Lemonade. And then she, she had a lawn out front, and it was just before a 10-foot hedgerow, and then a meadow behind that. She le looked at, leaned out and looked around the lawn to see what made the sound and nothing was out there. She began to shut the window when she heard it again. She was terrified, she said, but she also felt a deep sorrow welling up in her soul, the keening of the creature giving voice to her inner poignancy. It went on and on, and when it stopped, there was no sound, not even crickets. The crickets were sad, too. Yes. Well, crickets don't. That's normal. That's mm. a normal Bigfoot thing. That is. Crickets stop cricketing. Yeah. The, the crickets stop cricketing. Jiminy don't cricket anymore. Sure. 
I thought you said these people were poor. I mean, they weren't super well off. Maybe poor okay. wasn't a stretch. I'm picturing the White House lawn with the way you just like described that. You're like, eh, she had a lawn out front and then a 10 foot hedgerow. And then behind that, a meadow. And after that, people working for her for I mean, free. She inherited it from her first husband. So who knows? I think we knows. Yeah. The shiver ran down her spine. Then she saw a tall figure slip out from behind the pine, standing in the mist in the shadows of the trees across the meadow. An unnaturally tall man out there in the mist, barely seen in the gloom, hiding from the light of the half moon. So this thing was big. It was basically about as tall as the hedgerow, which we mentioned was 10 feet. That is pretty big. And then it looked at her. And that's when she was filled with desire. Well, that's Amazon again. Sorry. Preacher looked straight up at her with what seemed like a sad expression. It made her want to cry. Then it turned and stepped back into the foggy darkness of the woods, disappearing without a sound. But after it left, she was overcome with a deep sense of sadness, realizing that the creature had been trying to tell her something. It dawned on her and she sank to the floor. Daniel, her husband, was dead. She immediately felt it in her heart, a stabbing pang of grief, and she broke in, out in tears, sobbing. She began to worry that the creature might return and might try to get in the house with her and her kids. Oh, like he was next in line? Yeah. He's like, hey, <laughs> I waited for Daniel to be gone. It's you're, Bigfoot you're time. really, this is just a Bigfoot story. Not a, I was joking about this the is, Bigfoot This was sex her story. fear. This was her fear. Yeah. She's like, this guy's going to try to get in here. He's 10 feet. What am I going to do to stop him? He's hairy and he's got... Well, she went down and locked the door. Step number one. And got her rabbit rifle. Oh, that'll work. Yeah, yeah which That's I assume magic. was like a twenty-two or some, something that small. And when she went out in the morning, she found large footprints. Five days later, her fears were confirmed. Her sweetheart was gone. The time of death listed on the letter she was given said dawn, 422-1864. The same morning she'd seen the creature. The same morning she'd seen the creature. She wondered if it was connected, but deep down she felt it was. That's a weird connection, though. Like, it's it's weird to, like, if you're out there and you're terrified of this howling and then you stand up on your balcony and overlook the people you own and this thing comes out It wasn't out of a it. balcony. It was a window. <clears throat> okay. It didn't yo, even have a window. It, in the book. Were you there, Christian? It was a balcony. Let's be it honest. Was, no, it was a window. Mm. And in the book, they were so poor, they didn't have screens. It pointed that out in the book. And I'm like, did they have screens back then? Yeah, everyone was so Maybe poor. Maybe the they plantations didn't have had them, but they weren't on a plantation. Either way. But they way, definitely had help. But that's beside the point. Yeah, so you're looking out and you see this gigantic beast come out of the fog and he's sad. And you're just like, my husband's dead. Like, that's the correlation you get when you see this. You're like, oh no, this confirms my fears. My husband is dead. Well, the w one thing that you go back to the Civil War. You know, as we often do, 1860s. I don't know how many stories you've heard of Bigfoot from back then. I maybe some Native American tales cover that time period, but I can honestly say I've never heard one single story from the Civil War. Me neither. That so, had Bigfoot, so. but the sense of fear and dread is there, mm -hmm. like modern Bigfoot tales. Yes, and this is a story that's told in the family that the great 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 granddaughter is telling this person. Yeah. But that fear of dread, and if you're already fearful of your husband husband being at war, then that fear of or that dread would maybe make you think of your husband first. Mm. You know, that typical dread feeling. That's everything. Well, like you're making toast in the kitchen and it falls butter side down. You're like, my husband is gone. Yeah. Like but, everything would make you think that he was dead. I got you. Right. But if you have that natural thing that a lot of people say comes with 
Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Or that, a toast falling face down. No, no, there is a difference, man. Okay. There is okay. a difference. One is I just think they're pretty similar. One is tragic. Yeah. The other one is like, you don't even know why you feel this until, and then later on you see Bigfoot is what everybody says. This one, the this butter lady, one is the second one, right? The toast thing is the second. What? Was the toast thing the second one or was it the first? Like tragic. Tragic is the toast. Okay. Dread is Bigfoot. Okay. All right. Well, hey. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming our listeners understand the dread in hey, Bigfoot. It's sure. in every story. You guys can let us know. All right. I'm just trying to paint a, an actual picture for you. Right. Yeah. With toast. This next story is a little annoying to me. And you'll see why. It's called Dirt Roading in Texas with a night vision camera. Dirt Roading? I guess that's a saying. Oh, God, Texas, pull yourself together. What are you doing out there? I mean, it kind of makes sense, though. I'm like, I used to dirt road in the desert in California. No, dirt roads were in the desert. It's not a verb. You're not dirt roading. If that's driving on a dirt road. If you're just going to be like, you know what, family? We're going going out and seeing what's on the dirt road. We're off-roading. We're going off-road. That's the new thing when men wanted to make it all alpha and testosterone-filled. I don't Back when you're just going to grab a six-pack and go riding out looking for dip, for a Sasquatch, it's dirt roading, man. So anyway, this is from Bigfoot Frightening Encounters. And the guy that tells this story's name is Glenn Barrett. The whole point was the adults decided to take the kids out squatching in Texas. Squatching. Yeah. And if it's like the 70s or earlier, no seatbelts, kids in the tr- in the, the back of the truck. And you got some road sodas. Yeah. Beers. Exactly. That's the way my dad did it. And that's the way you do it, too. I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. We can say whatever we want on the show, and it has to be real. It has to be real, Christian. I don't drink the beer. And wine just doesn't go down the same in a truck. That's true. Yeah. So that's why he opts for the White Claws. So they all climbed in the truck with their cameras and listening devices, mainly as a joke, but also to make the kids think they were serious yeah. squatchers. Like it was, it was probably like, we got to keep these kids occupied and get them out of the house. Let's pretend we're going squatching. It was an old rotary phone just yeah. disconnected and they brought it with them. They're like, this is going to catch that Bigfoot fella. <laughs> they were in a remote area of Jack County called Squaw Mountain. So they would eventually drive off. They found like a turn off and drove, drove and just parked overlooking like a, a field and a creek bed. So everyone was passing around the different cameras and gadgets messing around. And finally they got the main guy whose name was Glenn gets his night vision camera passed to him. So he scans the field and just looking around and as he's about to turn it off, he sees like this black blob, right? right by the trees it was big and not moving he thought it was a cow and he focused on the ca- the camera on it to kind of see get a better image of it and he thought it was a cow like lying down but then it stood up facing him he was like i see you glenn yeah you pervert stop watching me this was no bovine creature i don't know why i put that in there take it out if you want i think i'll leave it in there yeah i think you will I so this I'll creature after looking at him turned to the left took three strides into the tree line and he moved like a cat the guy said now this is when glenn decided to hit the record button classic more classic since he was it was a newer camera he turned it off so he's like cussing and fumbling with it trying to get it back on telling everybody i saw something i saw bigfoot i saw a cat cow so they missed the creature couldn't get it on film as it goes as it goes he did contact the bfro and they came out and he did a reenactment for him (laughs) i just picture him like going through the theatrics of it yeah i was pretty annoyed by that story but that is the story that's what happens 
look at any Bigfoot footage. That's pretty much ever. How That's works. exactly what it is. Yeah. It's people like, oh God, what? And then by the time they record, it's either like, you know, one half of its back leg pushing through a bush or it's a tree that doesn't move. And you're like, there he is. We got you, him. You know what made the movie note good in this, that aspect? Was that Bigfoot wasn't in there at all? No. But when they decided to like, we need evidence, they mm. got a real cameraman who didn't panic. There were anybody, unless you're specifically trained for that, you're going to panic when you see something crazy. Maybe. I think so. If you had a couple of road sodas in them, you might've been a little more, you know. Well, then you're like shaky to begin with. And then you really are just filming like a giant bush and you're like, hey, there's Bigfoot. There's, yeah. We got him. Take this to the Bifuro. <laughs> okay. I got one more story, but it's kind of a longer one. Not a word. The last words of the Union soldier. So we're going back to the Civil War. The other side demanded equal time, so we're going to tell a story about it, the Union side now. This, this one was told, again, to Toby Emerson from Bigfoot Sightings of the American Civil War, which I'm just a little bit into this book, but it's very fascinating. So it looks like we might have to do a, a Bigfoot Civil War episode. Yeah. Uh, strictly Civil War Bigfoot episode. Yep. I think that might be in the future. And now that's out there. Yeah. Every podcast that is similar to ours is going to release one before we do. And that's fine. No, because no this problem. won't, re by the time this releases, maybe we've already recorded the follow-up. Yeah. So suck on that, right? Yeah. No, I'm not as aggressive. I just have to, I have to alpha it up, you know, yeah. like you always do. <laughs> <laughs> so the Union sto soldier in this story is Randall James Hawthorne. Randall? And the author, Toby, was in a secondhand store called One Man's Treasure. Its owner, a man named George Lipton, would show the author an old letter that he had found in the wall of his attic. Spooky. Yeah. So he like, basically, he went into this secondhand store in a Civil War area. And the guy comes over and, can I help you? And he's like, oh, I'm doing a, writing a book on the Civil War. I'm interested in anything you have on that. He didn't want to mention the Bigfoot thing. And he's like, oh, I have something you might, you, that you'll have to see. You'd never see anything like this. So he goes and gets this letter that when he was renovating and fixing up his attic, it came out of the, it was stored in the wall and he never knew why it was stored. And there's a love letter from the 10 foot Bigfoot to Sarah. This one is not a love letter. Hmm. Sorry for that. We'll get one at some point, folks. I'm really trying to reel one out of him, but yeah. So we'll go into the story a little bit and then I'll talk to you about the letter. Private gotcha. Hawthorne, private Pirate Hawthorne. Yeah. Private Hawthorne was along the battle lines of s Southwest. It's a hard word. Mm. Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro? It's not spelled like that, though. It's really spelled weird. Is that Tennessee? Where is that? Pretty good. That's Tennessee, right? This is where the Battle of Stones River occurred. It is 30 miles southeast of Nashville. Good call. I don't know how you knew that. There's stuff that I re retain. Uh, I mean, it's I never the same thing, stuff but... that is valuable information. It's just always useless tidbits that pop up from time to time. You know what's nice about those useless tidbits? Is we it... do a podcast now. Yeah, it makes so me can... sound smart for at least three seconds of the, the show. I mean, some of those useless tidbits come up. In late December 1862, Private Hawthorne, under the command of General William Rosecrans, had gotten a much-needed victory when they had pushed back the Confederates under the command of General Braxton Bragg, which makes me think that's maybe who Fort Bragg is named after. This letter was actually written by a nurse who attended to Private Hawthorne during his last hours, hmm. and she kept a daily journal and wrote down what the private had told her, which she then put into a letter to his family. And this is the letter that was found in the secondhand store. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use parts of the letter because 
it's written in that style, like the older style uh, of writing. That, old English. Like, not old English, but just when people wrote a lot of letters. And it's, you know, when you read those old letters, they're, they're almost like reading. So to make it kind of fair, if you like the stories and you're listening to us, don't be afraid to check out the book on Amazon. Yeah. Thanks for making it fair, Christian. Yeah. Monday, January 5th, 1863. To those concerned, I regret to inform you that your dear relative and friend, Private Randall James Hawthorne, aged 22 years, has passed away from wounds received at Stones River. He has now gone to God's heavenly realm as the most honored of those who have died whilst in righteous battle. Righteous. Yeah. Righteous death, brother. <laughs> the person that wrote the letters was a nurse named Barbara Stilling. She was a Union battlefield nurse. She goes on to say, But first I, I must relay to you the circumstances of your beloved's death. He received his wounds when the breastworks where he was stationed were breached by something strange, something not of this earth. Did you say the breastworks? Yes. Let me explain what breastworks were because I had to look this Please up. Please do, yes. It's basically what the soldiers on both sides, Union and Confederate, would build. And it means something that's basically breast high. And they would use trees, old farm equipment, basically anything. So it's like a trench above ground? Yeah. Okay. Kind of to help block and to gotcha. defend, you know, against. So they would use anything. They would use old farm equipment to, to build these. And this is where this battle had taken place. They pushed the Confederate back, the mm. Confederates back. Now it was their breastworks because mm. it was, you know, that it was so hard to build and so tedious. They couldn't take it with them. We claim these breastworks. Yeah. So for our own. So I did have to go back and, and look that up because I was like, what the hell's breastworks it means something totally different now. Yeah. You're thinking something entirely different. <laughs> you pervert. It's not fine. me. You, you asked the question. I just was, I just, knew I just the question. wanted clarification for our listeners. Yeah. So I knew the question like, was going to be asked. So I went mm, breastworks. Yeah. This breastworks. Maybe in this story, you'll find out it doesn't. Unfortunately, the gap in the breastworks then enabled a gang of straggling Confederate vigilantes to break through. Although he fought valiantly, private Hawthorne was mortally wounded, laid low by shrapnel from a muzzle loader. Nurse Stilling wrote to the family that she wouldn't go into details of his injuries, saying it was traumatic. And her team, her medical team, did all they could. And luckily, they had ether. So he was he was in a lot less pain than most soldiers at the end. Private Hawthorne asked Nurse Stilling to hear about what had happened to him. During this time, he would sometimes think she was his mother. He, Hawthorne had been ordered to take some men and walk the line to make sure victory was theirs. There were five of them, and one was a Cherokee. So, in the letter, that was, I guess that was a big deal back then. Yeah, hey, make sure you put that one was a Cherokee. Yeah. We don't want people to cancel us. Yeah. He we're became, inclusive. He became separated from the other men. He wasn't worried as this would happen sometimes with them. And in the letter, he says, Ma'am, I know nobody believes me, but as I think I might not be long for this world, I must tell my family what really happened. Can you do that, ma'am? Promise me. She made a solemn oath to him that, that she would fulfill his wish and write to the family. Nurse, I was in the rear. Most of the fighting moved off up to the northeast. Our unit tasked with sweeping up, getting the injured to the infirmary, collecting abandoned weapons, taking prisoners, that sort of thing. Our section had 22 horses with carts, ropes, weapons, and shovels, along with nearly 100 men, all seasoned veterans. So again, he was separated. 
Then I heard what I thought was a strange mewling, like a cat way off in a distance. I realized it was coming from way up the line in the rainy mist where the enemy was probably still lurking. Vigilantes hide in the shadows, out away from the battle lines, the roaming cowards that they are, afraid to stand up in regular battle with the enemy, just like Pa told me they would. Upon hearing it, I thought, if that's a wildcat, it's a damn big one. And then, <laughs> then he says, sorry, ma'am. I didn't mean to swear at you. Yeah. It was hidden in the mist, but I could tell it was way out yonder, not nearby. As he got closer, he starts to realize it wasn't mewing at all. It was screaming. Very big difference. Yeah. He said, I felt the hackles go up my neck and I shivered. He was scared, yet he needed to know what was making that sound. And in the letter, it was, it was like a big bull had somehow acquired the tongue of a person, nearly able to make sensible talk, all weird, like some kind of foreign language. It still put hackles up on my neck. So Nurse Stilling, Stilling is reassuring him at this point, and he was kind of calling her Ma. Hmm. So she was like, no, I'm not your mother. Finally, I slunk up quietly behind a big winterberry bush and seen it. What I first thought was a big shaggy bear, all tangled up in the works. It was only about 40 or 50 yards away, but this was the first clear view I'd yet gotten of it. As I watched for a few seconds, I seen it wasn't no bear, was way too large, and it stood on two legs like a man. It had long tresses of wetted black hair dangling from its arms and big black hands like a slave's. <gasps> Christian, not my words. Dirty the words of of a man canceled, racist. A Union soldier in the 1860s. <clears throat> I could see its cold breath as it panted in the humid air. I don't know what the thing was, Ma, but it sure put the fear of hell in me. This is when he cocked his gun and raised it, his Springfield, and raised it to fire at the nurse or at the. He's talking foot? to the nurse, telling where the nurse what happened. Gotcha. The, okay. On the field, he's cocked his Springfield and raised it. But he stopped. He didn't want to give away his position to what he called the stragglers. So every time he talked about these kind of people, he was like really hateful. What do you mean these kind of people? Like the stragglers. They weren't real soldiers, but they would come down and kill soldiers when the soldiers were mopping up in certain areas. But then the beast seen me through the spindly winterberry. It looked up from its predicament and straight into my eye. Its face was a dark bluish gray wrinkled up in pain and anger, soaking wet from all the cold rain. And I swear on my grave, its eyes glows red. Red like they had their own light shining out from inside its head. Very detailed uh, letter. From 40 yards away? Yes. To a soldier, yeah. maybe that's not that far. So he probably had good eyes back then. I know, yeah, I'd be like adjusting my glasses. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't really see if that's, is that a bush? So this thing's roaring at him. He thought by looking down at his feet, it would stop, which it did. Weird things people think of at times like those. Look at your feet, that'll distract it. But then he heard the crack of wood and the creature began to free itself from the breastworks. It threw a tree that had been part of the works, basically like it was a toothpick, and pushed a large cart aside. To free itself, it tore patches of its own hair from its body. So I guess it was trapped and it somehow gotten trapped in these things until it saw this guy. Hmm. And as it pulled away, Hawthorne could remember seeing the pieces of hair hanging from the, the breastwork. So the creature started coming at him, was moving fast. It had a limp, but it was still moving pretty fast. So again, he raised his Springfield rifle, pulled the trigger. Nothing, nothing happened. happened. Classic. Powder was wet and it still was coming at him. 
He cocked again in desperation and pulled the trigger. This time it fired and there was a cloud of smoke. He couldn't see anything. But when, as the smoke cleared, he, it, was, it wasn't there anymore. But he could hear it crashing through the trees and the bushes. Hmm. So it was running away. But the gunshot had drawn in a tattered group of men, not even in uniform, just worn leather and flannel. He held them off for a bit after reloading until he heard a loud muzzle flash and then found darkness. When he woke up, he was in the hospital. His companions had heard the gunfire as they were nearby, and they saw the beast run by him, and they were able to, to fight off Hawthorne's attackers and get him to the field hospital. And his last words were worries about chores he couldn't do for mom and pa, and he asked they be told that he loved them. The nurse says, may God be with you in your time of sorrow. Be comforted. Your loved one rests peacefully now with the angels. I hope I've now fulfilled my solemn oath in Private Hawthorne's eyes, in your eyes, and the eyes of our dear Lord. Most sincerely, Nurse Barbara Stilling, Army of Cumberland. It's a very interesting story. I don't, I struggle to understand how this thing got stuck in the breastworks, though. If it can throw a tree like a toothpick and, you know, push a gigantic cart out of the way, I don't, what's. I think it's one of those things where if you're crawling over it, because it's not really stable, it's just things stacked together. Yeah. You could slip into it and get, get caught. You know, when you're first caught in something. You just think it's over. You're like, well, they got me. Yeah. Especially if you're in a war area, it's probably like panicking a little bit and then it sees. Something trying to shoot at him. The only other thing I got that it didn't really tell in the story, hmm. and this is a this is a reach. What if the Confederate soldiers had it trapped there until the, the battle was over? So then when it sees this guy walking up with a gun, he's like, I'm going to kill you because you've had me trapped. I mean, hmm. we've heard stories of people supposedly capturing young Bigfoot before. Have we? I think in South America, I've read a couple stories hmm. about it. And then the Solomon Islands. They had something similar. True. Yeah. Wasn't it mango? That was just a weird theory. Maybe they had it trapped there and then when they were gone, it could get away. It's, but, and then it saw this guy and went after him. And if he wouldn't have shot at it, it would have probably eaten his head. Yeah. Hey, all right. It's time to die, dude. Gotten some retribution. That would be a really strange letter to find. Yeah. So you'd be like, wait, whoa, hold on a second now. Yeah. I can't. I mean, maybe these Civil War stories aren't true, but. I mean, some of these people that are that are there in these battles are real people. Yeah. So, Rosecrans and Bragg. Mm. So. And Sarah and her ten foot lover. Well, we not a lover. So <laughs> we don't know that for sure. The story ended before you know it really. It was two humanoids suffering and sorrow. Mm. Isn't that what all love stories are? Two humanoids suffering and sorrow. I guess you're right. Yeah. Good night, everyone. No. <laughs> yeah, so those are pretty good. Pretty good. Never heard Civil War Bigfoot stories before, so it's always it's always nice to get something that is fresh. It's not as fresh. It's the Civil War, but fresh in our minds. Well, know? it's fun. Like, I like finding these crazy, because, I mean, you see it all the time. There's With what we do or what we're into, what we research, hmm. there's a million Bigfoot stories. Yes. And every once in a while, it's nice to hear one that's not really... Maybe it's in the mainstream podcasting. Yeah, we story. get you those niche stories that you you crave that you didn't know you craved. That's right, and maybe you didn't even know you know we're out there. But those are some of my favorites. Those kind of hmm. it's like what the hell? Like the first one, even though it was like 
are did Bigfoot really know she her husband died? In my heart, I like to believe he was there consoling her in a psychic way. Yeah. It's just, just out in the woods, book. like ripping apart a deer carcass. Then he's like, oh no. I gotta go Daniel. help. I gotta go help this yeah. go help Sarah. I feel it. It's time. She needs to know to sell the farm, which she did. Classic. And moved to the city near her family. Mm. And she never married again. She the oh, she never married again? Yeah. Just a torrid love affair with the big the big old ten foot Bigfoot guy. That's probably why she had to leave. The scat she's like, <clears throat> I already got too scandalized with marrying after eight months and now people now are gonna see me with this Sasquatch? furry creature. Ugh. People probably wouldn't talk as much shit though if they see you with a ten foot Sasquatch. Like, oh, there's that whore and then they get ripped apart. You know how that story always ends? Pitchforks and burning. Pitchforks and burning. Yeah, those are very interesting stories, Christian. We got to do these more often, man. We, I, Like I said at the beginning, we really only did them for summer break. And then after that, we'd always talk about, oh, we need to do like a full Bigfoot episode. We need to do a full Bigfoot episode. We never do. But people enjoy Sasquatch stories, man. I love Sasquatch stories. I, mm. That's why I think I have so much fun each time we've done it, which is really weird for me to love them. Since I'm not a... Since you don't believe in Sasquatch. I believe there might have been a Sasquatch. I have trouble believing there's any now. Hmm. Or very many now. We'll find some. Especially not in certain parts of this country. We just gotta go to the Pacific Northwest. Hit up Washington State. I'd much rather go there because the Alaska ones sound really violent. Yeah, we don't need that. No. We definitely don't need that. I don't know, maybe this summer we go check out some places. Scope them out and if squatch you have the what energy. happens. If I have the energy. I'll leave my son at home. He can energy vampire my wife. And I don't think that's going to happen, man. Yeah, she'll be like, well, you're not taking me with you? I like the woods. No, we'll just take him. No, because then I got to sacrifice myself if we see something. No. I ain't trying to die, dude. You know what we do is like, we're going to, China, we're going to take him. We're just going to call him bait. Hmm. Reverse psychology. No, I'll keep him here with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what. That's exactly what happened. No, she'll be like, I'll come with, and you can just carry him and the 15 items and his backpack and the diaper bag and his milk supply and his crackers. We're a few months from AI having producing our own little baby Yoda pod. Ugh. It's, com- it's coming soon, man. It's sure. going to be the rage. Invest now. Exactly. Not financial advice, but it's fine. Anyway, I think that pretty much wraps it up. I think she's a... Uh, that's all she wrote for the Bigfoot stories this this time around. Let us know if you liked them. We can do more. Yeah, I mean, and we will do more. I want to incorporate Sasquatch a little bit more into the show. It's I'm always a big fan of those stories. It's funny that we haven't done it in the regular season. I know. Right? Yeah, this is a first. But there's a first for everything, and this is the everything in which it's a first. And that's fine, guys. It's fine. If you enjoy the show, if you're uh, new to the show, enjoy the show, whatever. If you've been lurking around in the shadows for a while. Send in some love. Tell us what you want to hear about. Yeah, tell us what you want to hear about. Rate the show. Give us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever the hell you're listening. Just rate the show. It helps us more than you know. If you want to help the show grow in other ways, financially and or spreading the word, you can check out the merch store at thefreakydeaky.com. We've been getting some some merch orders in lately for some of our incredibly dope designs. And if you haven't checked them out, at least go browse them. They're pretty sweet, especially if you're into the weird stuff, bright pops of color. That's just how we do things around here. Uh, I do want to make a correction to, we mentioned our stickers being at the Matsu College and getting like a new local listener left us a review. Super cool thing. But apparently it wasn't Matt that left the stickers. It was indeed our good friend, Jeremy Lee, 
Good old Jeremy Lee, man. You have been propping this show up for quite some time. I appreciate you. Well, we appreciate you. I'm sure Christian does as well. Thank you, uh, Jeremy. Helping us get the, the word out locally. It's always cool to get local listeners. I feel like that doesn't happen too often. In the beginning, we had a decent amount of Alaskan listeners, and then it kind of spread more to the lower 48. And Sweden. then here we are now. But also, yeah, check this out. If you are one of the lurkers from Australia or the UK or uh, what was the other one that we... Sweden is big lately. Really? Germans picked up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if you're one of these international listeners, send us a message. We love hearing from you guys. It's super cool to know that you know, we got international listeners that are more than just one-offs. So if uh, you're enjoying the show, let us know what your favorite episode was. Or if there's lore from your neck of the woods, shoot it over. We love hearing that time, that, that type of stuff, and we love talking to you guys. So send that over to the gang at thefreakydeaky.com. Send over your listener stories, your paranormal experiences, your UFO sightings, whatever you want to do. Or if you just want to let us know that we're the coolest couple of weird people you've ever met or never met, do that. It's fine. You know, but in the meantime, I've been dragging this on for too long. Christian needs to see his grandson for a couple minutes before he takes a nap. And my wife could probably use a bathroom break. So those are all things you didn't need to know. But Let's we're pretend friends, it's like the Civil War era and you tell her when she can go to the bathroom. Yeah. And I don't tried you that. dare do that to my daughter. I will. I'll walk in there and be like, hey, you, if you're going to pee, you pee on that couch, woman. And make me a sandwich while you're at it. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. It's fine. You know what? Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you right back here next week for, let's do sleep paralysis stories. Let's do more sleep paralysis stories. Boom. See you next week. Sleep paralysis. Yippee. Goodbye. Goodbye.